Every Christmas, I give my family a list of books that I've had my eye on. In 2020, the book at the top of my list was Signs of Life by Stephen Fabes. My grandmother ended up getting it for me, and I started reading it instantly and finished it in two weeks. In the 400 pages between the gorgeous covers, Stephen leaves his job as a junior doctor in London and cycles the length of six continents over the course of six years. This is not just an adventure through the landscape of Earth, but also an adventure into the landscape of health and what it means to be a living, breathing human in all types of places. On this first episode of Conversations with Stardust, I talked to Stephen not about his cycling journey, but instead about his mental journey and what it's been like for him since he got off the bike nearly six years ago. I hope you enjoy a conversation. So, I mean, I guess the whole thing started off when I was I was working as a junior doctor in London, and I was working at St Thomas's, which is this kind of uh, ivory white you know hospital opposite the House of Parliament, right in the middle of London. I was doing my my training there, and um, I was kind of torn. I think I had this. Um, idea that I, I loved my job I really enjoyed it and I, I was kind of looking forward to, to climbing the ladder and and um and kind of getting more responsibility and all that stuff but there was a there was a kind of another side to me that was um I suppose keen to sort of blow up my life and go on a bit of an adventure and I was having a bit of a battle between these two different kind of kind of um uh, life choices and um one day after work, I, I kind of went to the pub with some friends and I brought down a little mini atlas with me and I sketched out the route around the world that I'd like to do. And I kind of announced to my friends that I was going to cycle around the world. Um, so that's that's kind of how it started, really. And then it, um, I had been on a bike ride when I was 17. That's what I write about a little bit in the beginning of the book. That was with my younger brother. And we were we were we were teenagers really. He was seventeen, and I was nineteen, and we we cycled the length of Chile. It took us five months. That that definitely sowed the seed. I think um, that was uh, it. Sort of introduced me to that to, to to cycle touring, but also to this kind of um, that that sense of vulnerability you get when you're in in wild places and and living outside and you know exercising all day and all that stuff, and and the, the uncertainty as well. I think. So yeah, that's that's how it began. And then um, I left from the hospital from St Thomas's, um, uh, with all the doctors and nurses, friends and family waving me goodbye, and uh, I set off. And and that was that was the beginning. Um, it, yeah, it took me six and a bit years to come home. Uh, during that time, I crossed and the length of six continents. Uh, and then yeah coming home was um a bit of an expedition as well there's the sort of the 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 afterward i guess this sort of trying to fit back in um so yeah i guess that's the sort of summary of the journey yeah that you you've mentioned some points in there that i really want to i think talk about especially because you mentioned um that uncertainty and that kind of craving for uncertainty mm. was, was it always kind of uncertainty that you wanted throughout I guess being younger or was it kind of just as you got a bit older and got into that little, you know, as you said, um, medical school kind of ladder, I yeah. guess. So was it, did it kind of come out of nowhere or has it always been? I don't know. I, I kind of think that that's the essence of a good adventure, but it's also what 
makes lots of things about life exciting isn't it and i think it's what, what attracts me so much about medicine as well because within medicine there's a huge amount of uncertainty and um and that's what what makes especially you know the art of diagnosis quite really so interesting because there's there is so much uncertainty in it um and i and i think that yeah the 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 idea of um getting up in the morning not knowing where you're going to sleep that evening uh but kind of having to be confident that you'll figure it out not knowing exactly where you're going to go and then sort of you know deciding on a whim that you're going to go a slightly different direction than you'd initially planned um all of that stuff was really attractive to me and i on sort of um decided that i was wasn't really going to plan the route in in huge amount of detail which i think was the right thing because what would happen generally is that i would um, get advice from other bikers as I traveled mm-hmm. or I would um, you know look at the map and kind of change my mind and decide to go off that way and that's that really enhanced that sense of uncertainty and and it did it, it did make it more of an adventure and and um, and that's what I was really drawn to and I always found that I always had the most unexpected experiences or the, certainly the most memorable experiences when I was off on these like small back roads in in sort of wild places you know so um so i tried to inject that as much of that as i could into the trip it really sort of um made it more interesting for me did the did you always did you have a rough guideline on how long you thought it was going to take you or was that just completely like yeah i thought so i thought it was going to take four and a half years um that was based upon talking to other bikers before i left you know i I contacted these people who'd been on these crazy bike rides and sort of you know um they were able to impart some of their wisdom to me and we kind of i was trying to make my plan and i was probably a bit too optimistic you you know there wasn't really any contingency in that Mm -hmm. and in the end of the day i got into some problems i had a had to have surgery on my knee at one point um i got denied visas there were things that made made it uh, longer than it it was it was go, it was supposed to. So it took uh, six and a bit years, but but I think four and a, I think I was looking at four four and a half years. That's what I thought it was going to take before I left. Yeah, and it ended up taking six and a half. Yes, or six and a six and a bit. Yeah, six and a bit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you? Because you, I remember you you planned for what was it about? Was it ten pounds or 10, 10 euros per day before you left? um how the i assume that must have changed and how hard was it to kind of stay on i don't know on the financial side of living throughout all that um i haven't worked it out in detail but i don't think i spent i don't think i spent much more than ten dollars a day living costs i think that was fairly easy um as i said rough camping most nights spent more than a thousand nights just pitching my tent at the side of the road so that, that 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 saves a lot of money um of course your transport is free so there was the there was the odd that probably isn't taking into account the slightly larger expenses that kind of come along you know you've got you've got to get visas you've got to sometimes travel to a different continent but i was um my living expenses were definitely pretty low and i was just really you know buying it was kind of food really was my main expense and uh, you eat a lot when you're cycling but there was nothing um it was it was fairly easy to stay to that i think i didn't didn't find it a major problem um yeah yeah. what was the main what was the main food source that you found yourself um i i 
I probably I probably didn't eat that well if I'm really honest I'm totally honest with you you know there was a lot of packet noodles which is not great but they are really cheap and they kept me going um I porridge in the mornings but then after about two and a half years of porridge I just couldn't eat it again I was oh, yeah. totally done yeah. with porridge I, I still can't look at porridge I think that's it um <laughs> but so so porridge for a bit and then it, and then a lot of pasta I guess you know rice and pasta and vegetables um, and then whatever I could find locally. So yeah, kind of just slightly boring cyclist food. There were, I mean, it got more interesting in different places. I remember in, um, yeah, yeah. there are certain countries where they just have food that's great for cycling, like readily available all the time. Um, I remember koshery in, in Egypt was like that. Um, and it's cheap and like, you know, loads of carbs, but, um, there's, yeah, I think that when I was out, you know, camping, and away from towns for for a while then it was mostly pasta and rice that kind of got me through and yeah you said it felt really obvious when you when you left was that was that more like kind of as it rose up to the point where you're about to go and decided to go or did it always kind of feel as soon as you especially after your chili adventure with your brother did it kind of as soon as you had the idea it was almost just like a yeah you're gonna do that yeah I think so I don't I mean it's really hard to remember actually exactly mm-hmm. how I was feeling at the time it was a long time ago now I do remember there being a bit of a battle at one point and that I think that maybe that was about a couple of years before I left where I was like you know do I really want to sort of throw everything in the air and kind of take a risk um but then I think it did once I was on the road it felt like definitely the right thing to do and the build-up is exciting as well you know planning these journeys is really exciting and and getting everything together um so yeah no regrets once I'd started once I started preparing for it but but maybe maybe that there was a there was a point a couple of years before um when I was thinking about do I commit to this that that was probably a slightly tricky moment yeah yeah especially I, th- I think as a medicine as well which is very much vocational you know you like you're I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm training with people who would never consider leaving medicine and, and you've been working at it a long time. And mm-hmm. it was a financially was a really like rubbish decision to go and like, live on a bicycle and camp by the side of the roads for years. And I came back broke living with my mum, you know, like um, it, it wasn't great, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's the price you pay. You know, you can't, you can't really have everything. So mm-hmm. how was it? um did you always plan to write a book about it or was that kind of like a halfway or wouldn't you've got it back even I think it, I'd probably always planned because I'd read um other books I've been kind of been very yeah. much inspired by other people who'd written travel books and, and books um by other um touring cyclists but I didn't I, I wish I'd probably you know been more committed to that mm-hmm angle earlier on yeah because in the beginning of the journey I wasn't really taking detailed notes and I wasn't I, I kind of became better at writing as I, as I read more and I, I was reading you know more and more as I traveled uh, probably around a book a week or something like that and then it was only really when I got to South America that I started writing for travel magazines. And I think once you start writing for magazines and other publications, and once you're, you've been blogging for a while, you begin to collect the details that you really, you need to write a book. So 
and I think um, for anyone reading my book or has read my book, you know, I moved pretty fast at the beginning, you know, I'm covering a lot of ground and partly that's because I've got to get six years in one book, but it's also because um, some of the, the, the detail comes later. So the narrative really slows down once, especially once I get to Asia um, and um, there's a, the, yeah, in my journals, there's a lot more detail about, you know, um, the, the, the experience from mm-hmm. that point on. Yeah. That's interesting. You say that about the, as you read more and you became a better writer, I think it's written brilliantly. Like I enjoyed it, not simply as a book about the, the journey overall, but like, you know, for anybody who has read it or it really is written in a pretty um, engaging way for something like that, like the descriptions and stuff like that. That was my favorite part. And my girlfriend and I, we, underline stuff in our books uh so we have pens and so we would uh, i would always be underlining some of your descriptions and some of your paragraphs and like sending her pictures and stuff um so that that's a fact i really really yeah. enjoyed about that um yeah nice thank you do you think there'll be any any other books on the table in the future um yes definitely i'm writing a second one at the moment um, oh brilliant this one's not a travel book. Uh, it's not really about adventure either. It's a, it's a medical book, actually, but it's not academic. It's going to be for a broad audience. And it's about medical diagnosis. And it's a bit. there's a bit of memoir in there. It's a bit of my experience of being a doctor. Uh, and there's also a bit about, it's a bit journalistic. And in, in, in a similar way that I suppose um, Signs of Life is a bit journalistic to, towards the end of the book and in, in, in the Asian bit. Um, so... I'm sort of interviewing people and I'm interested in, in various aspects of diagnosis and f- from, you know, misdiagnosis to artificial intelligence and how that's going to change things uh, to, you know, all the, the biases that we have and some of the, you know, all, all kind of woven in with my experiences of, of treating patients. So it's kind of probably going to be take the form of like essays or something like that. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's the next plan. It's taking me longer than I I anticipated, but it's coming yeah, to like me. all things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I just don't think I can write fast. I think that's just me. You know, that's that. But that's no. I, I find the same. Like for writing um, podcast scripts and stuff, I'll find myself sitting on a single a single line for yeah. hours for some reason. I don't know why I get so fixated on getting it perfect. And then I think, oh. It's, people might not even pick up on this one thing why am i giving it so much yeah. thought um yeah it's a real battle yeah um is there a point i guess after because it's been what like 12 years since you left off and it'll be about six since you got back mm. um are there any particular points that i i guess not stick in your head the most because i i, I guess it probably all is in there it's all in there somewhere but mm-hmm. Are there any any major parts that you are reminded of more frequently or throughout your day? Um, there was obviously a lot that didn't go into the book, but mm-hmm. I think the process of writing it means you're revisiting those memories. So I think Absolutely. actually this, the stuff in the book is is kind of closer to the surface, I suppose, in terms of sort of, you know, in terms of what I can remember about the trip, just because I've thought about it more. Um I still give the occasional talk about the journey presentations, not very many now. I don't really go looking for them, but if I get sort of offers, then I come and do them. So um, I'm often talking about the 
the ice lake in Mongolia, which is like, you know, visually spectacular to tell that story. Yeah, yeah. Great photos to go with it. But um, that was, for anyone who's not read the book, it was a, yeah, um, I was cycling through Mongolia through the winter time. Uh, it's in a lake called Hovskol. It's right in the north of Mongolia, right close to the border of Siberia. And it's, um, the, the the temperature was about minus 40 at night time. The lake froze to over a metre. And the lake surface looks incredible. Uh, just kind of crisscrossed in, the, in these like, you know, um, cracks really sort of, um, of, of, of ice. But you can, it's very safe to walk on over the ice and I camped on the ice as well. And I think that's one of the things that really stuck with me is that that campsite in particular, listening to the ice crack all the way through the night was incredible. Um, so I think that, I think that was, that certainly was one of the things that, yeah, has really stuck. And that I often sort of come back to um, it and it was, it, yeah, it kind of, it really seemed to represent the adventure. You know, it was, it was a very wild place and, and exciting to be there. Um, the Andes as well. I mean, I think for, for cycle touring, the Andes, it's very hard to beat the Andes. I think it's great. It's such a great place. There's so many roads um, and you can kind of really wind your way through the, the mountain range. So um, that was, that was a, that was a real adventure as well. Do you, going back, going to how you said doing a lot of talks and stuff, do you find yourself talking about the journey often? um like are we talking you know once a week once a month that kind of comes up you know in random conversation uh not now no no I don't, like i don't i find i don't really speak about it very often now to be honest um it only like really pretty much like only when i give a talk <laughs> only when i give talks and things. yeah yeah um my mates have heard way too much about it you know like people, i, I bet yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah well i feel like it's easy for stuff like that to kind of just become your entire yeah you know yeah i guess existence which is why i didn't want to talk too much specifically about it today i wanted to talk about yeah. the bits around it yeah um that's that's interesting um do you think when you came back you found or i guess probably more in family and friends there were any changes in you and your personality and your habits and stuff that people noticed um or that you noticed throughout your throughout your day-to-day life uh yeah i'm sure there was i think that i think one of the things about that this journey is to spend a vast amount of time on my own you know which probably wasn't great for me if i'm totally honest like and it took a bit of um readjustment when i came back but i think um being in large groups of people and stuff was really difficult when i came home so it took it there's a lot of um, readjustment um in terms of my habits i think the other thing that i noticed was that you get there was there was there was i write a bit about i write um, a bit about this at the end of the book about this sort of emotional slump that you go through when you come home lots of different things playing into that i think but for me i think looking at it i think probably one of the most um important reasons why you feel so low is just because i was in like exercising all day every day for years and i suddenly stopped very quickly and i wasn't really doing much exercise when i got home and i think that that was part of the reason so mm. that was um i took up running after i came home i do a lot of trail running now and that was uh that's become a habit really i suppose it's a kind of um a surrogate for for this like obsession with exercise or this like this sort of 
cycling that I was doing really I was um, I'm now running and, and that that helps me sort of uh, it makes me feel a bit better really and I think part of that you know as I said, that emotional dip was because I'd stopped exercising um mm. it's I think the whole experience has impacted the way I practice medicine as well um I visited a lot of remote health projects as I traveled I write about some of those as well and and that helped me think in a bit more detail about the social de- determinants of health and about all the different things that kind of impact on health and disease and and we probably or I certainly had an oversimplified view before I left and then visiting these health health projects expanded that and I take that in with me to my to my practice you know now um, it helps me think about a bit more deeply about these 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 other factors. Mm. Do you get on the bike often you said the trail running (laughs) but yeah no I don't I don't really but the bike that I used is uh like it's not really roadworthy at all it's um, no. it's 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 really i've still got it but it's i can't really ride it so it's more of a memento but i've got um yeah i i do like probably i don't know three or four times a year i'll, I'll, I'll go on a cycle tour and it'll probably oh. just be like an overnight that's it like yeah. a day or two that's it maximum usually to like a festival or if I'm giving a talk somewhere or something like that, um, or sometimes with a friend. Cool. Yeah. And that's great. And that's, it always feels such a nostalgic, you know, thing to do. It just brings it all back immediately. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really nice to do that, but that, that's pretty much it. I, I, I you know, I've done a lot of cycling and I came home oh. and um, <laughs> you know, I was walking through the supermarket and tried to change gear on the shopping trolley, you know, subconsciously. So like, you know, that told me I'd been away on my bike too long, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a great way to open the book as well. I thought that was really, really funny. Mm. Um, do you do much travel then otherwise? Um, yeah, I do. I do a bit. Yeah, I do. I sort of, um, but mostly kind of like, you know, just some holidays with my girlfriend and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I travel around the UK a little bit. So still a bit of travel, but nothing, yeah, nothing, no, nothing quite as sort of, exotic and yeah extreme as the as the bike rider and, and race i do a lot of trail races in different places as well so that takes me away yeah. yeah yeah do you find it kind of strange traveling in a different way now to how you would have essentially for six years you know biking and um uh, just camping on the side of yeah. the road but now you've got like a hotel <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a great question you know. yeah yeah it is uh yeah, I, I, it's really nice to have a bed and just, but I do miss the the rough camping aspect of it definitely, and um, yeah, I think I think travel has changed for me there definitely, but that's okay, that's all right. Like I've done, I've kind of like done the yeah. roughed it for a bit, and, and that's all right. I can kind of travel in different ways, but it's um, I, it's nice to be honest. It's nice to feel grounded and to feel in one, to be in one place, mm-hmm. and to feel that I'm, you know getting back back involved in my career and stuff i just kind of like that and, and in, in, I, I um i met this guy heinz who was also in the book who'd been cycling around the world for 61 for mm-hmm. um yeah like a long long time i can't remember um and he'd he'd like left germany in the 70s or something to go cycling around the world and i think part of my um after meeting Heinz, it was very clear that I, d- I didn't want to do that. You know, he had no sense of home. Mm-hmm. He didn't really have any sense mm-hmm. of belonging. He d- didn't. 
um it was it was i was i was i was kind of very keen to 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 come home and to be around people who were familiar to me and things yeah oh i had a question on that um damn it where's it gone um oh yes yes so so going to you know you've got that kind of more especially when traveling i guess that certainty do you find i guess in your life that craving for uncertainty is gone um are you much more someone now i guess who wants to know what's going on in the future um that's a good one i don't know actually i'm not sure i think that you have to have that a bit of uncertainty don't you in and then so i was saying at the beginning that's Mm. that's the essence of a good adventure i think that that's what makes life exciting absolutely Uh, but it's also what makes life scary as well isn't it and i think that there is um a lot of uncertainty in my job so i don't think i go looking for it as much as i did mm-hmm. i think i'm 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 like sort of more comfortable with with familiarity now than i was yeah yeah um yeah i guess especially in you I, I i hadn't really considered that funnily enough that you get a lot of uncertainty in your day-to-day i guess yeah. um yeah i think so like clinical medicine's full of it and mm-hmm you know things change quite quickly in the resource room or when you're working in uh, in the emergency department and yeah the, the whole thing about diagnosing people as well is full of uncertainty and yeah. and people you know react in a whole variety of ways as well so there's there's that's so any job that involves people really is going to be thick with uncertainty Absolutely. yeah yeah would you have I guess any, would you recommend what you've done to other people who would be interested? It's a, it's a very personal decision, right? Because it depends upon what, what yeah. what's happening in your life. And um, um, I, I can only really speak for myself, I guess. I definitely don't have any regrets yeah. about it. Um, although, you know, no one really wants to regret their life choices, do they? So I, I don't regret no. it. I think it was, um, uh, it, it suited me and, you know, I've got really fond memories of that trip and it, and it changed me definitely. But um, it, it definitely had consequences as well that I didn't appreciate prior to leaving. Uh, right. It was, it was difficult coming home, very difficult. Um, starting back into my job, uh, back into society. Um, mm. And financially it wasn't a great thing to have done. So it's it's it very much depends on on who you are, but I think if if um, if you've got a sense of adventure and you want to go and travel, being on a bicycle, I can't think of a better way to do it. You know, it's it's you can travel a decent distance each day. You can really get off onto the back yeah. roads. You can um, it, it's, it, you can take in you know quite a lot of the world. Uh, um, mm. and if you're prepared to slow down a little bit then it can feel like a real a, re- a really great adventure and there's a whole community now of, of traveling bikers there's other people you'll meet on the road there's a lot of like camaraderie and stuff it's great um so as a, as a mode of adventure travel i think it's brilliant i'm so glad that I, I i chose to 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 do it by bike that was it that was a it was a great way to see the world and and i think it it brings you closer to people as well. People are constantly coming up to you. You know, you're very blatant on a bicycle. You're moving slowly through these out of the way places, places you never would have visited um, had it been that you've got to get to this place and this place is on the way sort of thing. So 
then you get people coming up they're curious they want to know what you're doing um, and you get lots of invitations to stay with people so i, ch I stayed not only um rough camping but also you know churches and monasteries and temples and army barracks and courthouses and um you know in the shed with a buffalo and all kinds of different places but it was i very much felt looked after um i think bicycles are very fam familiar to people people use bicycles all over the world and there's a there is a sort of it's a sort of humble fare you know people recognize that it takes effort to cycle um and you know um people relate to bikes and i think that breaks down a, bit, a few barriers um and so yeah fully massive fan of, of cycle touring even though i don't do much of it now um it's, yeah. it's a great way to see the world yeah it's interesting what you say about how the bicycle almost you know it's like a universal symbol almost of of what you're doing um did you find crossing especially those lang language and cultural barriers difficult as you move from one place to another um yes i'm not much of a linguist i would do my best i would try to learn 100 100 200 words of a language and that makes a huge difference if you can do that absolutely yeah um it was i think i think probably asia was the hardest because that's like mm. where the, the, culturally it feels a lot more distant and the languages are much more difficult and that was yeah that was just overall far more challenging yeah. um but there are you know lots of places in the world where the language is just changing continuously absolutely in ethiopia there are 86 languages you know and you, you go from one village to the next and people would seem to be speaking a different dialect so it was it, that was constantly challenging um, but again, you know, that's what makes it so interesting as well. There are lots of evenings with families where I would just be trying to communicate through sort of, you know, mime and then a few words that I knew in their language and a few words they knew in English and we'd get by. Um, but that, yeah, that was that was great fun anyway. So, yeah. Would you like to win a copy of Stephen's book, Signs of Life, for yourself? All you need to do is go to the Dear Nature podcast Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and follow the instructions there. I'm sorry for interrupting this episode, but thank you for making it this far. I hope you enjoy the rest of Stephen and I's conversation. I was thinking in between then, I wonder what, when you were speaking about other people, if, if you know, other people should do the same journey or a similar thing. I, I was wondering how different it would be if you did the same thing now, I guess, because there's mm. obviously quite a few problems, um, well, not problems, but quite a few issues that and, and topical things that you talk about in the book that mm. are topical at the time that you went through them. Um, and I wonder how, yeah. uh, this is less of a question, but more of a, just a thought, how yeah. it would have changed if you did it now or if someone did the same thing now. I guess it's all, yeah, the, the geopolitical climate is changing all the time. Um, the, you obviously, you're not going to be cycling through Russia and things. My, my friend, um, Charlie Walker, actually, has just been uh, detained in Siberia and was um, deported eventually. But that was, um, and that was just as the conflict was breaking out. So there are certain areas that you would decide to stay, stay clear of, I guess. It yeah, also yeah. has changed, I think, in... The, so I, I didn't I didn't travel with a phone actually when I just um uh I just 
uh, at that point, I don't think when I left, I think maybe one of my friends had a smartphone or something, but yeah. not many. And that kind of all happened whilst I was away. And now I noticed towards the end of my trip that all the bikers had smartphones and uh. they were then there was WhatsApp groups for the people cycling through Africa. <laughs> like, Interesting. So was, that had changed quite a lot. Just yeah. e- even in that small amount of time. Yeah. Um, but I really relish not having a phone and not really being connected Yeah. Um, in that way. Um, you know, imagine being on Strava and you, you start Strava and you, you like cut across the whole. The yeah. Whole yeah. <laughs> Just upload it at the end. Yeah. 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 The biggest flex on everyone who follows you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you better get some kudos for that. Yeah, I suppose yeah. Um, yeah. the other thing is the, uh, is COVID and how's that, how that's mm, yeah. kind of, may travel a little more, more difficult um and yeah more complicated yeah absolutely are there many people that you that you met um like an, at the back of the book reading especially like the you know your author's notes and stuff there's like two pages straight of people that you've met and shouted out um yeah are there many you keep in contact now and and, and you know or, or visit or want to visit or anything like that yeah yeah so some of those people i do just like pitch up sometimes and say like if i'm in different places uh if i'm traveling through and they're and they're and they're around yeah um yeah it's um a lot of these a lot of them were were traveling bikers that i just met on the road and we cycle we're going the same direction so we just cycled together for a bit and uh but there are a lot of people i've not i'm probably not going to see again as well yeah yeah um but then you know there are people who just sort of um Yes. Yeah. So a bit of a combination, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Are you enjoying, I guess, are you enjoying your work that you're doing now? Do you think more than you would have if you didn't do this or if you did just, as you said, kind of just stayed in medicine and just keep going through? Definitely. Definitely. So I think, um, yeah, that break from my job, it kind of became a lot more passionate when I came back to medicine. I I was always passionate about medicine, but I think that there is something about, you know, taking a break from something, coming back to it, that sort of reignites that, um, that, that passion that you had with it initially. And I think people who just like come straight from university, become a junior doctor, power through and just kind of um, get to consultant posts. I mean, those are the people at risk of burning out absolutely yeah and um for me i just it, there is there there is a difficulty in that i'm older now so i'm actually still relatively junior in the medical mm. world you know and that's a mm. bit frustrating because i'm you know my age doesn't quite tally with my um uh with my my experience um so but that's okay and that's again it's part yeah. of the price you pay uh, but i think that I'm, I love my job and I think I love it more Great. because I had a bit of a break from it and I could kind of, uh, I could see how lucky I was to, to have a, a, yeah. a profession in, in, in like that yeah. I really enjoyed. That's, yeah, I guess especially with burnout is a big thing, it's, uh, especially now it feels more prevalent that, or maybe it's just more that it's more obvious um, when people are burnt out. and, and Yeah, or more talked about, you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is a good thing because it's more, you get that more awareness. Um, yeah. And it's good, I guess, yeah. that you came back and had more excitement rather than thinking, oh, is this actually what I wanted to do? Yeah. It's definitely the right way around. Yeah. I mean, 
it takes a lot i think to i was talking about that decision to sort of like blow it all up and have the faith that you're going to come back to it yeah but yeah i think i think it was the right thing to do yeah and and i think we touched on it very briefly is earlier is it so there are things you feel that you take into in your job now today that you've i guess gained um yeah from from your travels i think the one of the things i mean i was visiting these medical projects so that that really calls on a, a sense of curiosity i think because you're mm-hmm. you're interviewing clinicians you're interviewing patients and um curiosity is also something that's deeply embedded within medical practice as well i think if you're going to be a good doctor you need to be very curious and you need to be um attentive to to detail and i think that some of the doctors that i've met who i think are are not so not so good and they're not really sort of role models are the ones that have lost that sense of curiosity yeah um and so I think that that the, the journey sort of fostered a sense of curiosity, which 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 was useful. Um, London's also a very diverse place, and yeah, yeah, working in London, people come from lots of different backgrounds. So that's been useful as well. Yeah, I think it's a really good point that you a really unique standpoint that the book is based on you know your experience in medicine and taking that perspective through with you and and i think it's a really nice anchor point to the story that's really really enjoyable as you you know i really enjoyed as you move through these different cultures and communities and and completely as you said geopolitical climates how the healthcare changed um and it does show how diverse it is and how me over here in New Zealand with our healthcare will be different to how it is for you in London and how it is for some people in Asia and stuff. Yeah. Um, and there are also lots of similarities as well. And I think that's what that I became more and more interested in, uh, which and, and healthcare really, I think looking at healthcare, it makes you think much more about how all the different ways in which we're similar. Uh, I think at the beginning of the trip, I think we all travel, isn't it? To, because we're interested in difference and we want different landscapes and different food and to be immersed in different cultures and all that kind of thing. And that's partly what adventure is about. But I think as I progressed through the journey, I was more and more interested in trying to find connections, trying to find ways that my experience working in the NHS was in some way similar um, to some of the healthcare settings I found in, in lots of different um, places and um, the, the experiences of patients, how, how are they related to the experiences of patients? Interesting. I, I found that really fascinating about how, yeah, the, the, the parallels, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting take. I wouldn't have thought that was, you know, the way around you were looking at it, especially by the end, I guess. Maybe, maybe we will go back to that stereotypical question that you were asked. Do you have any advice for for people who want to do something maybe not even yeah. maybe not even a bike ride but just a big yeah 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 you know. a big adventure of some sort yeah 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 um maybe don't don't over plan it you know just you don't like i was saying don't you don't need the route in detail or something or anything like that you just just um I guess just have the confidence to take the plunge and take the back roads as well i mean that's as i said all the the most memorable times from my trip and, and the things that really stick in my memory is is the going taking the longer routes more mountainous crapper roads just took me ages and were brutal you know serious gradients and and it was hard 
but those are the moments that I really relish um, looking back at it. Those are my fondest memories and those were where the really surprising stuff happened. So I would always say, you know, try to try to take those roads, I suppose. And that's, a, that's I suppose, a more specific cycle touring thing. Um, it's nice. I, I, I particularly enjoyed me time and just being on my own and that sense. That kind of accentuates the adventure, I think, if you're on your own and you, you feel more vulnerable. But it was also really, really nice to have periods with friends and people I met who I was travelling with. For me, it was just having that balance of yeah. doing a bit of both was great. And if you're off on a long adventure expedition, whether that's by foot, by bicycle, whatever, then maybe trying to combine those things is good. But that often depends a lot on your personality as well, you know. Thank you for thank you for for doing this. It's it's a really really cool really cool thing for me because this is kind of the first time I have done it like this before. Um, I want to get into just knowing some more, you know, talking to more people who I think have um, interesting stories and and not even just that, just you know, we all have our own exclusive personal way at looking at things, and I think it's really interesting mm-hmm. to see how we all look at stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to talk about, you know, stuff around the trip as well, not just about the sort of, you know, the, the stories that are, yeah, as you're saying, they're all in the book anyway. So. I hope you enjoyed this first ever episode of our brand new series, Conversations with Stardust. Thank you to Stephen for coming on to the show and thank you to all of you for listening. Remember to find the Denature podcast on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook to find out how you can win a copy of Stephen's book for yourself. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next time.